And Lord, we ask that you'd prepare us, that you'd fill each one of us with your spirit as well. As she unpacks your word, as she brings truth that maybe is familiar, but Lord, would you root it in a new way in our hearts today? We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Great. Don't panic. We will worship later. And I think you'll find it makes sense to worship a bit later as well. Um, we're also going to hear the scripture read to us in a minute. But one of the things, I always disclose something that might surprise you about myself at this point when I'm mic'd up. So one of the things that I do uh, is I like to watch dog training videos. And I watch dog training videos on YouTube because I feel my dog has some additional needs around um, reacting to life. Um, let's say he's a sensitive soul. And the latest dog trainer that I watch online, and I've even ordered the book, and it's coming from Norway. And the Norwegian dog trainer, she teaches dogs to take a breath. Right. And the point of saying dog breathe, I haven't tried it yet, I'll let you know if I get on with it, is that when your dog is walking past a fearsome dog, for example, or a fast jogger, that could also orient, disorientate my dog. A squirrel certainly would, and a cat we won't even think about. But so let's, let's think medium challenge, going past maybe a small child yelling on a scooter. The plan is that I would look at the dog and I would say, breathe, and he would, he would breathe, and I would breathe and we would refocus, and there would be no scene, and I would be able to walk on like a proud dog owner. So that's what I'm inspiring towards. I'll let you know how I get on. Anyway, earlier on, as we were, start, as we were uh, praying, I was reminded of that breathe thing. And uh, so why don't we take a breath? Why don't we see this as a little moment in time where we get to take a breath with the Holy Spirit, and we get to bring ourselves, so close your eyes if it helps, Bring yourself as you are, and just take a breath with God. And God, as we just breathe, help us by your Spirit to hear your voice, God, and to not sort of react out of our own prior knowledge or experience, but to hear your quiet voice as we listen to this scripture and as we uh, reflect on the scripture together. Amen. So uh, before we, we read, I'm on the final bit of Philippians. We've been looking at it for a few weeks. So this is Philippians 4 we're going to hear a bit from. And um, the main thing that I wanted to highlight about this reading is just that, you know, we, we look at Scripture and it looks like a book. And we get this book mostly alone. And we look at it. And God, we expect God by his Spirit to speak to us personally through this everlasting word. And that is what he does. But in the olden days, there was a much more communal expectation. So when this letter arrived to the little church in Philippi, 75 to 100 people, you know, getting a letter, someone traipsing hundreds of miles with the, you know, scrolly thing, there's a lot of drama. People were, would have been crowding to get in, and they listened together. And uh, would have listened to the message and thought, how, how is this for us? We tend to read it like a book and think, how, what, what is God saying to me? 
So as we listen to this read, let's have a wonder. Yes, God will say things to, to me, <laughs> um, but what is he saying to us? What's he inviting us to do differently in response to hearing the word? Okay, who's reading? Sharon, would you like to come and read? Okay, so it's Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Elodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Thank you. So at the end, he says, whatever you've heard or seen, put it into practice. So the, end, the point of this, this like closing words is to help this little church in Philippi to take some good practical action. And uh, if you've been tracking with us and reading this at home or coming to the gatherings, uh, you could have a little look back at, at Philippians and look for all the references to all of you. He's like, I long for all of you. I'm praying for all of you. Like the, um, the vibe, if you like, is corporate. He's big on connectivity, big on togetherness. And um, so bear that in mind. He says uh, here in the section we just read, therefore, my brothers and sisters, we belong. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for my joy and crown stand firm in the Lord in this way dear friends so the point is he's written them quite a long letter and now in his little summary statement he's giving them a little toolkit so here's your little toolkit here's your little list of actions for how to stand firm in the Lord together and then there's this uh, quite unusual bit at the end where he addresses these two women Euodia and Syntyche and he says I urge you Euodia and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord now if um, John wrote a letter to the church and was like 
get Sam and Chris to be of same mind in the Lord, we'd be like, thank goodness he mentioned them, you know, thank goodness he didn't mention my name, because that would have been, how embarrassing to have your name put in one of these letters. But actually, the kind of, um, uh, the genre of this kind of letter means that if your name is mentioned in it, that is is like a sign of really high respect and high importance. And it's important not to sort of read into this what we think we might feel if our name is mentioned here, because he says, Guys, these two women, they've had some kind of fallout. He's like, help these women remember who they are in the Lord for the sake of the gospel. He's actually not being savage to them. He says, I urge, uh, I urge you, Odia, oh I'm speaking to her, I urge you, Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. So we can disagree about other stuff, but remember what we share be of the same mind about who Jesus is and the difference that Jesus matter, it makes for us. And he says, yes, and I ask you, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel. It's like these women have done immense things for the gospel of Jesus. And he's saying, will you help them? Help them get back to a good place with one another. And so we can see here that having a disagreement or a fallout isn't the private and personal matter that we might like to think it is. It is actually a matter of corporate importance. And it is for us together to help uh, one another remember who we are and we are brothers and sisters. And we will be forever, interestingly, because there's no marriage uh, in the new creation. So actually us lot, we're going to outlast the kind, of mar- the kind of relationships like marriage. And so it's really good if we can start getting on. And it's, it's really, and it's good where we get on if we can really dig in with getting on. And it's good that we, when we can, dis- we can disagree about stuff, we can have different perspectives. But let's not forget that we belong to one another, that we are brothers and sisters. And he's keen to emphasize this to them. Remember who you are. The bigger thing is to be of the same mind in the Lord. And we need to help one another. He's guys, guys, help them remember who they really are. Okay, that's uh, tool number one in the toolkit for standing firm. Uh, tool number two in the toolkit for standing firm is rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. So we're, we're just going to pick out a couple of these points. So uh, again, we might think, oh, rejoicing in the Lord, you know, that's like, yes, I need to, you know, rejoice in my personal prayer. And, you know, I'll put a worship thing on in the car or whatever. But this context is about togetherness. It's about uh, celebration would be a good translation. And uh, the rejoice is to speak out and to sing out together. So what he's saying to them is, have a party. Have a big celebration because of who Jesus is making you and because of what Jesus has done. That is the thing to do. And this kind of celebration is communal and it's collective. We do it together. And uh, Gordon Fee, who's a great theologian, he says that uh, such behavior, rejoicing like this, isn't about, is not a feeling It's an imperative. It's like a command to action. So, you know, if you're like me, prone to sometimes somewhat low mood, 
Don't wait to feel like rejoicing because it ain't going to happen very often. Okay? So follow it as a command instead and get involved with other people. So when we're alongside others, we help one another to speak of the goodness of God and to sing of the goodness of God together. And the another thing Gordon Fee says is uh, such rejoicing is the behavior of a believing congregation. This is a sign of like a believing community that we help one another to speak and sing together of the goodness of God. So rejoice in the Lord always. I just want to make a, a, a little point about that that particularly rattles my cage. And um, so we're not, we're not rejoicing about everything at this point. So when bad things happen to you personally or to us corporately, we don't lay those at the feet of the Father and rejoice because God has done that. We recognize evil and selfishness and fallen world bad stuff for the stuff that it is, and we stand in the middle of our pain and our suffering and all the difficulties in life, but we sing and we speak of who Jesus is and that he is here with us. That is what we are rejoicing in. And um, so this is not about rejoicing for all circumstances or giving thanks for all circumstances, but it is saying, in all circumstances, we give thanks for Jesus. And that is a really important thing to, uh, to get that emphasis right. So if bad things are happening to you, you do not have to be thankful for them. And I'll tell you what to do with the bad things in a minute. But what you can confidently be thankful of is God's presence with you and the good that he will do and has done for you. In our difficulties, we are able to rejoice, to speak well of God together because he says, I will be with you always. I will never leave or forsake you. Your name is written in the book of life. And don't worry, before a word's even on your lips, I know it completely. God is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And when we shout and speak and sing of the goodness of God, in the middle of our difficulties, that is what rejoicing is. And uh, in verse one uh, of Ephesians, uh, of Philippians, verse one, uh, chapter one, verse twenty-seven, he says, "I, I am only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm." in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the, faith, for the faith of the gospel. So there's all sorts of suffering and difficulties going on around them, just as there is all sorts of suffering and difficulties going on in us and around us. But what unites us is that we are of one spirit and that we are striving side by side with one mind. So it's like keeping the main thing the main thing. I remember helping out on um, a school trip when my kids were little, and these guys who, who liked dressing up as Romans came, and they did all this, like they had like the full kit on and loads of shields and all the rest of it, and they showed these, um, like the, the formations that they would use where they would like lock themselves and their shields together so that they were completely protected. And so if we are trying to rejoice in all circumstances and we lock together of one mind in one spirit, then you become 
a wall around one another as well, don't we? We could become a shield for one another. And um, in the words of the Jack Johnson song, we're better when we're together. So that was number two, which was rejoicing in all ways. Number three in the toolkit is a bit similar. Uh, so the second part of, uh, of the rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So like the Lord is near is the kind of little summary point there. And that is another thing that helps us stand firm. We stand firm because God is near. And this helps us in our relationships with one another. It helps us not to mind locking our shields with people that might think more di differently about minor matters because the one matter of who Jesus is, we're, we uh, all agree upon. And so if we want to stand firm in God, then remembering God is with us can really help. And I think... I was thinking back about these women, Euodia and Syntyche, and I was thinking, okay, if I was going to help them, how would I help them? And I thought, hmm, bearing in mind the Lord is near, what I might say to them is, girls, the Spirit of God is living in each of you. The Holy Spirit has made his home in you, Euodia, and he's made his home in you, Syntyche. So you are each, and together, standing in the presence of the holy God. What might that mean? And I think when we find ourselves with, with one another, where we might have some difficulties or some different perspectives, if you are having a little or a big argument or a, just a disregard for somebody else who's following Jesus, just bear in mind that you're in the presence of the living God. And it's a very sobering thing that you, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. Chris is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Once I start thinking like that, I want to make sure I honor her properly, don't I? I want to make sure I listen to her well, because God is living in her. I want to make sure I celebrate the goodness of God in her. It makes all the difference. And um, sometimes this verse, the Lord is near, commentators say, oh, they're thinking about the future and about the return of Jesus. Like, don't worry, keep on rejoicing because, you know, Jesus is coming back. That is an important hope that we have in difficulties, isn't it? It is an important hope. But it is very important that we also realize that yes Jesus is coming back but meanwhile he's right here by his spirit in us and with us and that Jesus is doing this crazy thing of choosing us just as we are to be made into a temple of his presence. 1 Peter says you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are both ordinary and profoundly spiritual. And when we interact with one another, we are having ordinary human interaction and we are also engaged in extraordinary spiritual interaction because through us, God is making his home corporately. And we want to make space for him, don't we? We want to manage the temple of ourselves and the temple that is us together 
to make it a spacious place for God so that he can accomplish in us and through us all that he longs to accomplish for the sake of the world. So let's just take a breath again. Let's just take a breath and notice again right now that the Lord is near. And if it helps you to look around at who else is in the room, you could do that if it helps you to close your eyes. The Lord is here right now in the middle of my messy self, in the middle of chaotic and challenging circumstances, in the middle of my ordered life, in the middle of my beautiful life, in the middle of all this, and all of us with our messy, beautiful lives, it is God's delight to be here with us. It is his good pleasure to be nearer than our own breath. Number four, and the final tool, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So a little bit more military metaphors here, the idea of being guarded. If you want your heart to be protected, then the tool for that in difficulties is to bring your anxiety and your worry into the presence of God with thanksgiving. And again, we are not thanking God for horrible things that happen in our lives. We're not laying that crime at his doorstep. We are acknowledging how we are worried and anxious about stuff, but we are bringing it in prayer and petition, petitions like asking prayer, asking God to do something. And I was part of a little group this week, and someone who is having very, very great personal difficulties in their family and very great difficulties that they have zero hope of controlling, funnily enough, and helpfully for this example, said that they were so overwhelmed that they just put themselves in a room and they just told God like everything they worried about, everything that was wearing them down, everything that seemed impossible. And she said, Sam, everything in me changed. And nothing about the circumstances changed. They were still absolutely savage. But she said she experienced an extraordinary, inexplicable peace. And that is the thing about this. If we're thinking, oh, how can I possibly have peace, you know, with all this? How can telling God all my troubles and asking him to do something possibly guard me and give me peace? And this is because the, um, the kind of transcends all understanding we really need to get our imagination on so it means it's like way beyond anything we could ever think of the peace that will descend as a consequence of this is like totally unimaginably unrealistic we can't cannot conceive of it until it lands and it is that gift it's like an exchange so don't be anxious about things. It doesn't say like, that doesn't mean anxiety is a crime. It says, don't be anxious about stuff, but bring it. Bring it with prayer and petition and thanksgiving into the presence of God. And that is what will garrison, what will guard your heart and our hearts together. 
And um, so this is why doing stuff with one another is so important. It's why we worship together and why we're going to do it after the talk. <laughs> and it is why we um, pray for one another and we ask God to make a difference and we say, and we bring these things into God's presence. We bring our stuff. We don't leave our troubles at the door. We bring them right into the presence of God among one another. It's why we have our ministry team to like be a sign of that, say, come on, bring, bring all that we are into God's presence because this is the extraordinary way God works. So little summary of the tools then are knowing who we are in Christ and only getting fussed about, like don't let minor things be a pile of rubble over our unity in Christ. Just clear that rubble away. And uh, let's rejoice together. Let's speak of the goodness of God. Let's sing of the goodness of God because that's a sign of a believing congregation, which we are. And let's ponder the nearness of God because it is extraordinary and like the peace thing, we don't really get it, do we? It's way beyond imagining that the Lord, the maker of the universe, lives in us and chooses to make his home among us. But these are the things that make all the difference because our fight is not against people who we disagree with or against difficulties. It is with spiritual powers. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual powers of this dark world. And it is this business of identifying our unity of thanksgiving, of rejoicing, and of acknowledging the nearness of God. Those are tools of warfare. Those things push back darkness in the world for the sake of the church and for the sake of the world. And so it's really a good idea that we engage in it. And it's great because Libby and the band are going to come up and are going to help us. And as we participate in worship together, I, uh, my friend Jane, who... Um, was a student friend of mine when I was younger. She was someone in worship, she just was like so full on. And I'd always try and sit next to her because I'd just be like, oh, you know, <laughs> you kind of would sense the Lord's presence and uh, hanging out with her in worship sort of helped me get there. Let's all be that kind of person. Let's all give our best to helping each other to really rejoice and uh, take that breath that correctly reorientates ourselves towards God in this time. Why don't we stand then together? We're going uh, to do just that, that corporate act of fixing our eyes and our hearts and our voices together on the risen Lord Jesus.